0: Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. In 1979, a young man named Jadev Payeng stood on a desolate sandbar on the island of Majuli and looked out over the destruction caused by recent flooding. Majuli Island had once been the largest river island in the world, but frequent monsoon rains and flooding had devastated the island and washed away much of the sand. In fact, 60% of Majuli Island had disappeared, washed away through erosion. Now, scientists estimated that Majuli Island would disappear within a few years. Facing the loss of everything he held dear, Jadev Peyang stood and looked at the desolation and made a decision. A decision to save his homeland. He refused to allow the flooding of the past to affect the future of Majuli Island. He set out to build a better Majuli and leave a legacy for his children. So Jadev Peyang planted a tree. And the next day, he planted another tree. And the next day, he planted another tree. And every day, Jada Peyang went and planted a tree on Majuli Island. In fact, for the past 43 years, Jada Peyang has planted and tended to trees every day. And the result of his work is amazing. On that barren sandbar, there now stands a forest that covers 1,360 acres It's a forest that's teeming with tropical plants and trees and wildlife. It's a forest that has stopped the erosion at the speed it was before and has helped to repopulate species of animals that were going extinct. In fact, in his forest, there are tigers and deers and boars and rhinos. There's even a herd of 150 elephants living in Jadev's forest. And J. Dev Payeng is not finished yet. He has plans to plant another 5,000 acres of forest on Majuli Island. His work is accelerating, and the trees he planted are multiplying. He's leaving a fruitful legacy for his children. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the amazing true story of J. Dev Payeng and his forest. One day he made a decision. He made a decision that the past would not limit the future. He broke free from the past and began to build a better today. He steadfastly acted every day, working and moving in the same direction, and his daily decisions bore fruit. He bore fruit that he could leave to others. He invested in the things that would reproduce and multiply, and he compounded the impact of his efforts. And just like Jadev, we all face a decision today. We face a decision whether we will accept things the way they are or whether we will choose this day to make a difference. Past events may have come to sweep away your hope. Your dreams may have eroded. You may be looking at a wasteland of lost opportunities and frustrations and failures, but you can bury the dead past and make a decision this day to begin building a better today. You can make choices and follow them consistently so that you can produce fruit for your future. And when you choose this day and every day to live for God and follow his ways, you can bequeath a brighter tomorrow for others. So are you ready to discover the decisions you need to make this day to win this day and bequeath a brighter tomorrow for others? If so, then let's get started, because this is the day. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you brought us into your house on this beautiful Sunday. This is the day you have made. We are rejoicing in it and are glad. We ask you to teach us today how to bury the past, build a brighter today, and bequeath a better tomorrow. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to steal the seed of the word out of our heart. Every spirit that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. We command you to be gone in the name of Jesus. And I loose the power of the Holy Spirit. The power to make this day... Everything you desire. We thank you that at the end of this day, your name will be glorified and our lives will be transformed. And we thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome once again to Agape House. It's great to have you here on this beautiful Sunday morning. Once again, please pardon our construction as we've got a lot of activity going on here on the stage and in the washrooms. But we're working hard. Every day to build a better agape house. If you believe it, say amen. And the good news is we're making progress. And as we work steadily towards our goal, we're going to reach our destination successfully. Amen. And what's true about our church and our construction project is true for our lives individually as well. You see, as we all move steadily in the same direction, daily doing the things we need to do, we will achieve success. That's the message in our service. Sermon today, as we continue our sermon series called This is the Day. Everybody say, This is the Day. We began this sermon series last week with the message, this is the day of destiny. And in that message, we discovered that every day is full of God possibilities. Every day is a day of potential because this is the day that the Lord has made. God doesn't make any mistakes. He doesn't make any accidents. And we can be confident that this is the day he made and then therefore there's potential in that day. And he planned for you to live in this day. And he has a purpose for you in this day. And where there's the purpose of God, there's the power of God available. And all those things can happen in your life when you begin to strategically participate with God in this day and seek his power this day. You will reach your destiny. Now, today we have to discover the next step this is the day, and that is that this is the day of decision. For you see, in order to strategically participate in this day, you need to know the decisions you need to make this day. So to help us discover what those decisions are, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. If you're watching online, you can find these and download them for free at our website and on our social media pages. And there at the top of your notes is our scripture text for today, one single verse found in Joshua 12. 24 and verse 15. It's on the notes, it's on the screen, but I believe God's word has the most impact when it's in our hearts and on our lips. So I want to invite everybody to read it out loud together. Are you ready? From the right to the left to the back to the front, upstairs and down. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. To understand the meaning of this verse, you have to understand the context in which these words were spoken. These words were spoken by a man named Joshua. And Joshua was the leader of Israel. And he had led Israel for 28 years. He comes to give them a final farewell speech. It comes at a critical time, a junction, a threshold in their future. And they've got to make a decision. So Joshua gathers the people because he and his generation of leaders are about to pass away and he comes to give them a farewell address and a final challenge and he lays out before them the decisions they must make in order to secure their destiny and their future. And in his words, we discovered the decisions we must make this day and every day to win the day and secure our future. So let's break the verse down and discover the three decisions you must make to win this day. And here's your first decision. Choose this day to bury dead yesterdays. Everybody say bury dead yesterdays. See our scripture begins with these words Choose this day In other words God is telling us that this is the day of decision And the fact is when you've got choices it means you've got options If I don't have any options I don't have a choice But God clearly tells us there are options and we need to choose And so let's look at the options Joshua gave the people of Israel He gave them options to decide whom to believe and whose way they would follow. Listen to the first option he said. He said to them, will you go and serve the gods of your fathers? He gave them the choice of going back to the past and continuing to do things according to how they'd always been done. And for us, this represents getting stuck in the bad habits of the past. This represents us continuing to do the things over and over again that have put us in a mess. This is allowing the habits of the past to, to limit the power of the present. And believe it or not, that's how a lot of people live. A lot of people are bound by their past. They say, well, that that's just the way my family is. Well, that's just how we do it. My father had a girlfriend, a side chick, and so I guess I'll just continue the tradition. All the men in my family have children from different women, so I guess I'm just going to follow their example. So Joshua gives them the choice, and God gives us the choice. Do you want to go back and get stuck in the past? But if you do, you will hinder your present. Then Joshua gives them a second option. You can do what the people around you are doing. You can follow the customs of the Amorites. And for us, this represents peer pressure. This is the attempt to fit in and do everything around us the way other people are doing so that we fit in with others. And here's the summary then of what Joshua's saying Will you be influenced by the past? Will you be influenced by other people? Or will you be influenced by the God who has? Your future in his hand. And those are the three major influences in our lives today as well. We face those same choices. So like Joshua asked Israel, let me ask you, what will influence you this day? Your past, other people, or God? For the fact is, what controls your conduct are the concepts you carried into this day. How you view life determines how you do life. And this is why so many of us fail to change. We fail to understand that our concepts carried into today will affect our conduct. We focus on externals without realizing the powerful internal influences of our past and of the people's opinion. We're bound by internal voices that prohibit us from making external advances. A few years ago, a study was done by psychologists to discover the power of learned behavior. So, these psychologists went to a primary school and they went to every class and asked the students in the class the same question. They went first to class one and they stood and said, How many of you children are artists? If you're an artist, raise your hand. And to their surprise, every single child in class one raises their hand I'm an artist. I'm an artist. You know, little kids, I'm an artist. Yeah, I can paint. I'm an artist. Then they went to class two and asked the same question. How many of you are artists? Raise your hand. About half the children raised their hand. Then they went to class three. How many of you are artists? Three children raised their hand. When they got to class five, one child raised his hand. What happened? What happened between class one and every child was an artist and class five only one dared to raise his hand? The fact is, Class 1 students believed they could paint pictures. They believed they could produce artwork because no one had told them you cannot. But along the way, as they painted and drew, they faced criticism and insults and mockery. Maybe a child took his painting home and his dad said, that's nonsense. Maybe a teacher insulted him and said, draw within the lines, and you cannot use purple for the color of clouds, (laughs) and gradually, The experiences of the children combined with the negative opinions of other people killed the faith every child had in his ability. Dreams were crushed before they could take wing and soar. Hopes were diminished, ceilings were set, and barriers were erected in the lives of the children. And the same thing has happened to every single one of us. We have been influenced by past experiences, past failures, past frustrations. Well, that didn't work. I guess I won't do that again. We've listened to other people who mocked us and criticized us and put us down. Our past experiences coupled with other people's opinions dictate today's conduct. That's one reason Jesus said in Matthew 18.3, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like Little children, you will never get into the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling us you have to believe again. You have to dream again. You have to take your concept of your life, not from your past, not from others, but from God's vision. You need a change of concept to break the barriers and break through to your destiny. You need to allow God to dictate your view of life. That's why 1 Corinthians 4, 6 says it's important to look at things from God's point view. Of you, don't let yesterday determine your direction. Let God determine your direction. For the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. Say the old is gone. The new is here. Shout the new is here. Because your view will determine you. That's why it's so vital to bury your dead past. Don't live today based on the principles you've inherited from others. Let your perspective be shifted and you will achieve God's purpose. That's the principle Jesus gave us in John 4:35. Listen carefully. I'm telling you to open your eyes. Nudge your neighbor say, open your eyes. I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These fields are ripe. It's harvest time. And simply put, here's what Jesus was telling his disciples. You have to see something new in order to achieve something new. You have to see more than what you currently see in order to do more than what you're currently doing. You can't use the same old view about your life, about your abilities, about God, and expect a different result. Because choices that produce change begin with a concept psychologists tell us that there are actually two levels of decisions and one is more effective than the other. Two levels of decisions that actually result in change. Level one decisions are centered around behavior, conduct, and actions. And this is how most people attempt to change. This is how most people attempt to break a bad habit or to start a good habit. They set an action goal. I'm going to exercise every day so I can lose weight. I'm gonna get up early so I can get to work on time. I'm going to pray and read my Bible every day. Now there's no doubt that you have to act in order to change. Any any a desire to change without conduct change is simply dreaming. But beginning with the decision to change your conduct is less effective. Level one decisions are less effective. It's easier to get discouraged or to give up. When your efforts to change are level one. This is the default for most people. And it's why most people never change. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. They try to change their conduct. And they end up trying and fail. Trying and fail. Until they end up failing to try. But level two decisions are different. Level two decisions are based around conceptual change, internal change. Level two decisions begin the change process by changing a thought or changing a concept or changing a viewpoint. And these decisions are more effective at producing change. In fact, this is what God himself tells us when he calls on us to repent the word repent is a Greek, is a an English word that's translated from a Greek word the Greek word is metanuo everybody say metanuo uh, you learned Greek at agape today clap for yourself amen <laughs> repent repent is the Greek word metanuo which literally means change your mind the heart of repentance is not just external change. The heart of repentance is an internal heart change, a conceptual change that results in conduct change. That's the truth we find in Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? By changing the way you think. Then after you've changed your concept, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And if we stop and think about it, we realize that this is true in all of life every action every dream every hope every goal begins with a thought we even say think uh, before you act because we know that life begins to change when our minds change And when you decide to bury the dead past, it means that you decide to put aside the voices of your past, your voices of other people's opinions, and begin to develop yourself in your life according to God's plan. It begins by breaking free from the limitations based on your past experiences and what other people say. And whether you know it or not, those voices are very loud in your head. You may not even remember the things that were said to you, but there's an automatic response when you face a situation. Situation based upon what your teacher said, what your senior brother said, what your mother or your grandmother said, there's an automatic response. You may not even remember what happened, but it's influencing you today. If you were told repeatedly, you can't do that, you likely stopped trying. And you need to overcome the concept that lasting life change begins when you overcome the concepts and understand God's concept of your life. That's why I say to you today, put aside the past. Break free from the barriers. Stop listening to other people. Stop following the habits of your past and let God direct your view. Put aside your disappointments, your frustrations, and your failures. For this is a new day. This is the day of destiny. This is the day of decision. This day is a clean start. This is a day of possibility. This is a day of God's possibility. This is the day to begin a better life. And if you will let the Holy Ghost take control and dominate your thinking, you will break free of every habit. For Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things uh, that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And I'm here to declare to you today, this is the day of liberty. This is the day of victory. This is the day of transformation. This is the day of change. This is the day of decision when you can break free when you let God dominate your thinking. Somebody say amen. Amen. Turn your notes over to page two and understand you need to change your concept. Change your viewpoint. Make a decision today. This is the day for you to decide. Today is a new day. I will bury dead yesterdays and let the power of God dominate my life. And that brings us to our second decision. Choose this day to build a a better today. Everybody say build a better today. Our text continues with these words. Choose this day whom you will serve. And the next step to see this day succeed is a conceptual change has to turn into conduct change. Conceptual change is the start. Start thinking differently. Start thinking like God does and you'll be liberated. But you can't end there. You've got to change your conduct. That's why the Bible links conceptual change with conduct change in 1 John 3, 1-3. Listen carefully. See. Everybody say see. See what great love the Father has for us. That he would call us his children. And that is what we are. We know that when he comes again, we will be like him because we will... Everybody say See. See, see him as he is. The person who is looking for this to happen will keep himself pure because Christ is pure. Two times the Bible says see. One time it says look. It's telling us that what we see will determine our behavior. What you see will motivate your conduct. When you see God's love for you, when you embrace your identity, when you behold and perceive who you are in his eyes, it will change the way you act and you will purify yourself. Your concept of God's love will make an impact in your daily behavior. That's certainly the lesson we can learn from David when he faced Goliath. From a natural point of view, we would think of David as the underdog. I mean, don't we always think David was the underdog? But in actual fact, that's not the case. Goliath was a huge giant. Yes, that's sure. And so we think because he was so big and mighty and strong, we think he was the champion who would achieve more. Goliath's arms were bigger than most of your bodies. Hey, he was a giant. David was a small shepherd boy. Not only that, but Goliath was a mighty, experienced warrior. He was a soldier. He was the captain of the Philistines. David was Just some shepherd. He was last born. He was the F.O. of the house. He was the baby. He was a small little runt. Hey, Goliath was dressed in battle armor. David was dressed in shalewates and knickers. He thought it was casual dress weekend. I don't know. Not only that. But Goliath had a spear, and on the spear was an iron head that could pierce someone's body. And all David had were little stones and a sling. And that's why his brothers and even King Saul thought David didn't have a chance. They viewed him with the wrong concept, and they considered him the underdog. But in reality, David had the advantage. Number one, the fact that Goliath was so big meant that he was hard to miss. He was a bigger target, and the bigger the target, the easier to land your blow. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. David was small, it was harder to catch him. Not only that, but a small stone in a sling moves faster than a spear thrown by an arm. In fact, a stone coming out of a sling can travel the distance of a football field in three seconds. A stone coming from a sling is like a bullet fired from a gun. Not only that, David was coming in faith. He was filled with the power of the Almighty God. He had the anointing in him. uh, Goliath came in the name of dead demons, but David came in the name of the living dog. And I declare to you, David was not the underdog. If you believe it, say amen. And David knew what no one else knew. He knew he had the advantage, not Goliath. And so he acted in accordance with his belief. He acted in accordance with his outlook. He came in faith not fear. He came in God's priorities, not other people's opinions. And this was no hasty decision. This wasn't just a spur of the moment thing. We can see that David was convinced in his heart because the process from the time he challenged Goliath until he killed him was a long process that took hours. After he challenged Goliath, he went and consulted with his brothers and other soldiers. Then he had a meeting with his excellency King Saul. He tried on the armor and put it off. Then the Bible says David went to the brook to collect some stones for a sling. All of this took time and David was convinced throughout. He never wavered. He never doubted. He never sidetracked. He kept going because he was convinced in his heart of the right thing to do. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. The right concept leads to right choices which leads to the right control. The right concept is God's truth in your mind. The right choices are God's spirit controlling your will and the right control is God's power controlling your life. So do not be discouraged at the size of the obstacle in your path. Do not be discouraged by the giant coming your way because what looks like a disadvantage is an advantage with God and if it weren't for Goliath, David's potential would never have been realized. But when you allow God's truth to control your your mind and God's spirit to control your will and God's power to control your life. You will act boldly. You will act in bold belief. You will act in accordance with what you believe. For the fact is choices have consequences. Every choice is a choice about whom you will serve. Every decision leads to a destination. For Romans 6.16 says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you Choose to obey. You're not a slave because of your mother or father. You're not a slave because of the witches in the village. We're not slaves to anything other than our... Own choices. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So start today to choose to let God lead you. Start today to move steadily along the path of righteous living. Start today, for every choice has consequences. Every decision leads to a destiny. And when you put one foot in front of the other every day following Jesus, you will build a better day for this is the day that's the lesson we can learn from the amazing true story of the first bridge that was built across the mighty niagara falls niagara falls is a powerful scenic wonderland In the middle is the turbulent Niagara River. It separates Canada from the United States, and there's cliffs. And so the water from the river flows over these cliffs in numerous falls. It's beautiful and spectacular. In fact, tens of thousands of people from around the world visit Niagara Falls every year just to watch the beautiful scenery. But back in 1848... There was no way to cross the mighty Niagara River from Canada to the United States. Tourism was booming, business was thriving, but the fortunes of the people were limited and held back by the fact that there was no transportation available from Canada to the U.S. on that side of the river. So in 1848, a group of businessmen got together, some from Canada, some from the U.S., to figure out a way to build a bridge and enhance commerce, tourism, and business. But they faced a very serious dilemma. How could they make the first connection across the Niagara from Canada to the US? How could they get the supplies back and forth? After all, the span across the Niagara River in that place was 250 meters, so there was no way you could throw things or There was no flight there was no way to get things across not only that the cliffs dropped about 67 meters straight down to the river so there was no way to climb down and if you did the river was so turbulent anyone going might drown or boats might sink there was no way to carry construction materials across the gap but then they came up with a simple idea why not fly a kite why not take a kite and fly a kite. So on January 30th, 1848, a 15-year-old boy named Homan Walsh climbed the cliffs in Canada and lifted his kite up into the air. The wind carried the kite up and up and up, and it flew across the Niagara River, and when the wind died down, the kite landed on the American side, and people went and caught it and tied it to a tree. And the first thing that bridged the gap across the Niagara River was a kite string. That seemed too small. That seemed too insignificant. It seemed unrealistic to build a bridge based on a kite string. But then the next day, on the Canadian side, they tied a rope to the end of the kite string and the Americans pulled the string and as they did, they pulled the rope and eventually a rope extended across the river and the next day, they tied a cable to the end of the rope and the Americans pulled the rope and as they did, they pulled the cable and eventually a cable crossed the expanse. And then the next day they tied steel rods to the cable and the Americans pulled the cable and eventually steel rods came across and so a bridge was built. It's the bridge that was built by a kite string. And if a kite string can build a bridge, what can your daily decisions build? Day by day, pulling in the same direction, serving the Lord, doing what's right, you can achieve the miraculous. You can achieve the impossible. Your kite string can become a rope. Your rope can become a cable. Your cable can become steel rods. Your steel rods can become a bridge. Do not underestimate the power of this day. Do not underestimate the power of the daily disciplines built day by day. For if a kite can build a bridge, your life can build a better day. Start small where you are with what you have and see God build a bridge. It can begin with something like, a prayer. But pray every day and God will build a bridge. It could begin with an apology, but stay humble every day and God will build a bridge. It can begin with an act of service or a kind word or a gift. It may seem small and insignificant, but done daily your kite string will become a rope and you will build a bridge. To build a better today, you have to build better choices. Choose this day whom you will serve. And that brings us to our third decision. Choose this day to bequeath a brighter tomorrow. Everybody say bequeath a brighter tomorrow. Listen to how Joshua ends this powerful verse. As for me and my house, everybody say and my house. We will serve the Lord. And in his closing remarks, Joshua says something remarkable. He understands that your decisions today will have generational impact. His choices affected his house. In other words, your daily decisions impact other Days to come. And that's what's true for all of us. Your daily decisions don't just affect you today. I had a good day. I had a bad day. But your daily decisions this day affect other days and affect other people. Your influence can affect those under you and around you. You can make your choices become consequential choices. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Conceptual change that results in conduct change will lead to consequential Change. When you bury dead yesterdays and build better today's, you will bequeath a brighter tomorrow for others. You will make generational. Impact. That's what happened to Abraham. He heard from God. He left his father. He left their idols. He left the dead religion and followed God to Canaan. He buried his dead past and never went back. And every day he took step after step to a strange land he'd never been to. He built a better today and he ended up bequeathing a brighter tomorrow. For God said in Genesis 20 to 18, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And the same power is available to you today. When you harness the power of this day and steadily follow the Lord, bearing your dead past, you will bless others for for other days. For Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And just as Abraham followed the Lord and built a better day and bequeathed a brighter tomorrow, the same power, the same promise, the same opportunity is available to you today. You can influence others. You can change this generation. You can change our nation. My family will serve the Lord. My children will serve the Lord. My grandchildren will serve the Lord. And this generation will hear the name of the Lord because I built a better day and I bequeathed a brighter tomorrow. If you believe it, say amen. That's the lesson we can learn from a study done of two American men who lived many years ago. Let's look at their lives and see the outcome of their daily decisions. First, let's look at a man named Jonathan Edwards. Uh, Reverend Jonathan Edwards was a pastor, a man of God, a warrior, a mighty Christian minister. He lived for God. Books have been written about him. Books have been written about his legacy. And when we trace uh, the descendants of Jonathan Edwards nearly 150 years after his death, Jonathan Edwards' godly legacy included these descendants one U.S. vice president, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 university presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, and 100 missionaries. Jonathan Edwards built a better today and bequeathed a brighter tomorrow. That's an impressive list of descendants. But now let's take a look at another man, a man named Max Duke. Max Duke lived at the same time as Jonathan. It was the same day and age, but he lived a different life. His life was filled with sin and wickedness. His life was studied by a sociologist, and a book was written about Max Duke. He lived ungodly for sinful pleasures, and 150 years after his death, his ungodly legacy included 140 convicted criminals, 7 murderers, hey, 60 T's, 50 prostitutes, oh, 310 poverty-stricken people and hundreds who were physically wrecked by alcohol and sinful living. The results are clear. Living a godly life produced a godly harvest. Living a sinful life produced a harvest of sorrow. That's why Proverbs 11.30 says, The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. And when you bury dead pasts, you break the ancestral bondages in your family. When you, yeah. When you live every day for God, you set an example for those around you to follow. And you will, you will, you will bequeath a brighter tomorrow when you make this day the day of decision to serve the Lord. That's why God admonishes us in 1 Timothy 4.12, Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. So today, what you want to see tomorrow. What do you want to see tomorrow? Do you want to see children and grandchildren blessed? Do you want to see vice presidents and senators and governors amongst your descendants? Do you want to see businessmen Do you want to see an inheritance where people rise and call grandpa and grandma blessed? You've got to sow today what you want to see tomorrow. You've got to spend time with your kids. You've got to love them, be with them, give them advice. You can't expect your children to grow up and achieve success when you put them on autopilot in front of a TV and walk away. Do you want to see your business thrive? Do you want to build a business that not only profits you but employs people and changes the way we live? You have to invest in more than your product. For even the best product won't go far if it doesn't have the people to promote it. You've got to invest in the right people. Focus on things that last. Focus on things that multiply. Focus on things that matter. Focus on children, on people. Focus on things of eternal value. For this is the day of decision. That's what Jadev Payung did. He made a decision. He stepped out onto a desolate sandbar of his homeland and planted a tree. And he kept planting trees. And he bequeathed a forest, a fertile wildland filled with plants and trees and animals, a fruitful legacy. His daily discipline produced a bulwark against erosion and destruction. And Give gives a harvest for generations to come. That's what Holman Walsh did. He climbed a cliff over the Niagara River. And He flew a kite. He flew a kite that landed at his destination. And he used the kite string to build a bridge. Homan Walsh bequeathed a bridge that made an international impact, connected two nations, and helped commerce and business to grow. That's what Jonathan Edwards did. He made a decision to follow the Lord. He surrendered to Christ and bequeathed a family of statesmen, of successful men and women, business leaders and pastors, a family of righteousness for generations. Now, it's your turn for the vast God bless you for listening to this message. Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.